This right here is the Twib Alert. You are now listening to Twib FM. Real talk, real Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie. I am your host. Thank you guys for tuning in. This is very exciting, especially for you gem fans out there. This is the Gem and the Holograms Podcast. So if you are listening live, make sure to use BGM Podcast hashtag that allows you to jump into the feed with other live listeners as well as TWIB listeners so that way you can participate with all of the folks that are listening in as well as ask any questions or leave any comments about the podcast as we are broadcasting live. We have our guests Christy Marks, Samantha Newark, and Britta Phillips who will be calling in shortly. The number if you do want to speak to us or ask any of the questions throughout the hour, the number is 718-404-9320. And I'm very excited to have the creators and founders of Gem Live Tweet on with me. I have Candace Frederick and Kimberly Renee who are co-hosting. So before I toss it over to them, just want to make a few announcements. Um, join us next Saturday. Uh, join Kimberly and Candace and I for 80s Live Tweet. We do this now on a bi-weekly basis. It's kind of taken the place of Gem Live Tweet. It's now the hashtag 80s Live Tweet. And we tweet out um, movies from the 80s. So next week, it's going to be the 1988 film Heathers. Uh, So Mm -hmm. check that out. That's going to be at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And um, make sure to use Netflix if you don't have that already. That's what we use, um, Netflix Instant Streaming. And make sure you add all of the events that happen through the Black Girl Nerds podcast as well as um, Black Girl Nerds at large. We have a BGN events calendar on our website so it's www.blackgirlnerds.com forward slash calendar and then that way you can add the alerts and you don't get a chance to you know miss out on any opportunities for live tweets podcasts um, movies that we participate in with hosting live tweets and there's also um, special events that are going to be taking place on twitter throughout the week that i'm a part of Um, tomorrow is one of those events i'll be participating in a twitter chat with women are game changers And we'll discuss empowering black women and how we use social media to help celebrate ourselves. So check that out. That's going to be tomorrow, Monday, January 19th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And finally, if you're interested in having your comic book or webcomic or any sort of service that you want advertised through blog ads, that's the um, form that we use to allow advertising on the website then go to the right sidebar and click on the link and advertise your your comic, your book, whatever you've got that you want to promote and uh, allow us to help attract your audience. All right, so I'm going to pass the virtual mic over to Candace and Kimberly. Please introduce yourselves in that order. Just tell us who you are, where you're from, your social media handles, and any projects that you are currently working on or a part of. 
afternoon. Hi, everyone. My name is Candice Frederick. I am the founder and writer of the blog Real Talk. That's um, realtalkonline.org. And I'm also the co-host of Cinema and Noir, which is on Blog Talk Radio. And we also do live tweets every Sunday, almost every Sunday, at 6 p.m. Eastern. And what else do I do? Um, I'm also a contributor to Black Ordinary as well. So hello and welcome. All right. Hello, everyone. This is Kimberly Renee, and I run realsisters.com, um, and I'm also the co-host of Cinema Noir, like Candace mentioned, and I am so excited about this tonight. I can hardly wait. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, before we get started, I want to go ahead and introduce each of our guests. So I'm going to read each of their bios, starting with Christy Marks. Christy is a screenwriter best known for her work on various TV series, including Gem, which she created. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Conan the Adventurer, G.I. Joe, Hypernauts, Captain Power, and others. She is also known for her original comic book series, Sisterhood of Steel, as well as the work done on Conan, Red Sonja, and ElfQuest. She is also a game designer known for Conquest of Camelot and Conquest of the Longbow. She wrote the Game Bible and most of the dialogue for The Legend of Alon DR for PlayStation 2 console, and has worked on PC console and MMO games. She wrote the Babylon 5 episode, Grail, which, like Camelot, has a lot to do with the discovery of the Holy Grail. In 2000, Marks won the Animation Writers Caucus Animation Award for the Writers Guild of America for her contributions to the field of animation writing. She currently works at Zynga, where she continues to work with games. Samantha Newark. Samantha is known for her beloved voiceover work as speaking voices of Jem and Jerrica on the wildly popular cartoon series, Jem and the Holograms. As a teenager, Sam became one of the most sought after voiceover talents in mainstream television. Her work on Jem and voiceover roles on the original Transformers cartoon as the voices of Ariel, the pink robot, and she played the British voice of Peter Pan's mother in the classic Steven Spielberg film, Hook as well as lending her voice talent to many radio and TV projects while writing and performing her original music and solo recording artists in Los Angeles and Nashville, Tennessee. Samantha has a cameo for the live action feature film version of Jam and the Holograms directed by John Chu. And Britta Phillips, who will join us later, Britta is best known for the singing voice of the title character of the 1980s animated series, Jim and the Holograms, and as a member of the band's Luna, and is one half of the duo Dean and Britta, both with her husband, Dean Wareham. Her acting credits include the 1988 film Satisfaction. She is the singing voice for various commercials being aired today. Dean and Britta also score films together, most notably Noah Baumbach's The Squid and the Whale. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, and this, I guess we should say which voice is which. This is uh, Christy Marks talking to you right now. And this is Samantha Newark. Hello, everybody. Awesome. Hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> and as I stated before, Britta will join us a little later. So I, I'm going to start with Christy with my question, and uh, we'll just go in order um, with myself, then Kimberly, and Candace. So my first question to Chrissy, um, the Gem and the Holograms universe is of your own making, and you created not only the characters, but the story of Gem. So how did you come up with the idea for this, and were you inspired by any real-life experiences? Well, I think I should clarify that um, 
I was brought in to create the animation series based on a line of dolls that Hasbro already had in development. And Hasbro did have certain basic things that they wanted to have already as a part of this. I mean, we knew we had a good girl rock group and we had a bad girl rock group and we had the holographic earrings, we had holographic earrings, we had synergy, you know, the secret identity. We had a doll that was going to be the boyfriend and they knew that they wanted the the red-headed girl to be the sister. So I mean, they had certain basic things in there that they wanted. And then I got to take that and run with it and really create who these characters were, what their full names were, what what the whole setup was. You know, I, I came up with the Starlight Music and Starlight Foundation and Jerrica being a music exec executive and the idea of um, all these foster girls, the foster home, all of that. All of that came from me. Eric Raymond came from me. And and just figuring out who these people actually were, the mix of personalities, giving giving them their last names because all they had were the product names. And and so I got to do all of that. That that pretty much encompasses and entails um what I got to create, what I got to bring to life uh based on these dolls. And um I I guess mainly what I was looking at was that we were going to be doing a lot of episodes so I wanted to make sure that we had lots of material to work with mm -hmm. and there was, it had to be a blend I mean Hasbro knew they wanted it to be a blend of uh, fashion and romance and glitter and all of this stuff but at the same time because the show originally was just a seven minute segment and a half hour bookended by two male oriented shows they were extremely worried about having it also have enough action that the boys would not turn the dial that was one of their big worries. Who's got a kid crying in the background? I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so that was one of their worries. So that so it, it was this kind of it veered around a little bit, you know, between fashion and romance. Oh, but there's got to be action. There's got to be a cliffhanger and all of this stuff. And um, I I was just basically thinking about what all of the character relationships that could make all of this keep working and and you know playing the good group against the bad group all that sort of thing. Uh, I, I can't say that it was really particularly based by any real life experiences. Um, you know, I had, I had come from writing a lot of, of hard action shows like G.I. Joe and Spider-Man and things like that. Mm -hmm. Although I did like to do very character oriented shows. So I, you know, I couldn't say that it necessarily came from anything in my background. I don't have a musical background exactly. I, I played the Celtic harp a little bit, but that's about it. So so really, it's just a matter of a writer coming up with a mix of ideas that will provide a fertile ground for lots and lots of stories. Awesome. And I was just informed that Britta is now with us on the call. Britta, are you there? I am here, and I'm on a full train. Sorry about the baby. <laughs> oh, oh, is that what it oh, is? You're the okay. baby culprit. <laughs> ah, put the baby in the overhead. Well, well, then let me um, ask you the next question here, Britta. Um, as a singing voice of Jem, do you have a particular song that will always hold a special place for you, or was every song fun for you to sing? Um, there are definitely 
songs that I that made a bigger impression on me. I would say particularly the early ones, and I mean the theme song. I mean that was, um, and the fact that it, I thought it was an audition for me, and they ended up using it as a theme song. So it was sort of, yeah, it was. I always hear it. I always hear myself because um, I had a cold that day, so I, <laughs> I don't oh. hear that. But I really like that, and also I would say Twilight in Paris, uh, only the beginning, only me and the music. Those are some of the, the early ones that really were exciting to do. Nice, yeah. nice. And to Samantha, um, Samantha, you were the speaking voice of Jem, but you're also a singer. Were there any times during the series where you lent any of your vocals to the character? There was only one time, and in fact, a fan pointed out to me because I didn't even remember, but um, it was a rehearsal scene, and I guess, you know, it was just easier for them to have me sing something really quick a cappella than get Britta back into the studio, and I think it was... Tell me I'm crazy, maybe I know. I, happy endings are, yes. that was the song. Yeah, yeah, because I'm like, all right, one, two, three, you know, trying to get the rehearsal going. But that was, that was it. That was the only wee bit that I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'll kick it over to Kimberly. All right, Christy, my first question is for you. Um, our gym last week had a lot of male participants. So you kind of alluded to this in the beginning, but what do you think it is about Jim that resonated with um, not only the women and the girls, but with the boys? There's probably a lot of answers to that question. Are you still hearing me all right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm just saying there's probably a lot of, lot of different answers to that because one of the things that was eye-opening for me long after the show was off the air, and I was still in communication with, with the fans, is that I discovered it had this very strong male following, mostly gay males. And, and I think that there was a, um, this sense of having a hidden identity, because it was very tough in the 80s, even still in the 80s, very tough for someone who was gay to come out. And so there, were, there would always be that sense of, of hidden identity, of, of you know, having one front but being something else. And, you know... Uh, the front you'd have to put to society maybe isn't really the true you. And so I think there were probably a lot of elements like that that particularly resonated with some of the male viewers. And other than that, I would say for, for the, the rest of the boys that liked it, because it was good, it was good stuff. There were good stories. There were good characters. You know, it had a sufficient amount of action. Plus it had all the other wonderful uh, relationship stuff. And, and, and let's not, let's not fool ourselves here. It isn't just girls that like relationship stories, you know, otherwise all, none of the great literature of the past would work at all. So, you know, the, the male viewers like that as much as the female viewers, whether they want to admit it or not. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So true, very true. Um, Britta, um, how has yeah. your fan reaction changed from the 80s until now? Well, the only fan reaction I got in the 80s was uh, from my little brother's friends who were about five. <laughs> and uh, so it wasn't very much, you know. I, I wasn't really <laughs> meeting them. Uh, um, and then over the years, I think I didn't really – I would say the 90s I was pretty much quiet. And then in the, in – 2000s 
I just started meeting and hearing from them, and it just seems to escalate. I keep thinking it's going to disappear. <laughs> it just gets bigger. And I, keep, I always meet people, and I'm always so surprised by how diverse they are. It's not just people of a particular age. Um, all the guys aren't gay. <laughs> you know? It's, it's so many people were gem fans. Yeah, so it's, as you say, it just seems to get bigger and more more people but that's that's been very true for me too i have to say i mean every time i turn around somebody like even at zynga i just get it constantly oh my god you read gem you know i mean it's just it's really amazing how widespread it is and, and how it's infiltrated the pop culture yeah and how like the little kids now are starting to to know about it through netflix and through the hub you know it's like the meeting the the demographic that is brand new all the little gem fans that's that's been really cool because yeah, like britta said fantastic. we didn't get to meet them in the 80s when the show was so huge there i don't there's no social media there were no conventions that i know about back then so yeah yeah no that's that's very true i i, I hear from i've heard from all kinds of people including co-workers that they're introducing gem to their kids and their kids love it yeah to the test of time. <laughs> Indeed. Right. Right. Samantha, what was your reaction when you first found out that you had gotten the role as Jim? And did you have any idea that it would be as popular as it is now? I had no idea that it was I forgot my going base. to kind of go into my pop culture craziness. In the closet. Sorry, it's loud in my ear. Um, yeah, I just had no idea that we'd be here 30 years later and there'd be a live-action feature film coming out and all this wonderful stuff, the comic book. But I just remember being um, going on a million auditions in L.A. for film and TV and commercials and voiceovers. And to actually book something was such a wonderful feeling. You know, you, you want to work. And, and then to I, – I don't remember my initial reaction, but – I think it was actually kind of panic because I remember I was out of town. I was in Colorado and my dad was trying to reach me to tell me that I'd booked the job and I needed to get my butt back to California. This was before cell phones. <laughs> so, you know, like landline, that was all you had. Um, yeah, but I was excited, obviously. Very, very excited. So, yeah. <laughs> Oops, hello. Yeah, I'm going to talk about Candace. Hello. Hi, ladies. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Making sure you're still awake. <laughs> um, so I have um, pretty much Jamie and uh, Kimberly have asked a lot of questions that I was going to ask, but um, I was I actually was pretty surprised, and I um, I was talking to Jamie about um, them before because I just noticed it had came on Netflix, and I want to say this was what a year ago or something. And um, I'm like, Jim is on Netflix, and I was not expecting any reaction from anybody because I thought I was literally like me and 85 other people were the only people watching Zoom at the time. And and then it was so it was I was pleasantly surprised to see that this whole um, this whole legion of of fans kind of arose um, seemingly from obscurity. Do you guys ever? And I know you talked a little bit about this, but are you ever surprised or are you, are you ever, like, humbled by the fact that it has um, resonated with so many people in a new way, especially when we're talking about, like, the 80s and then to now? And um, particularly for me, I was so surprised to see how diverse your fan base was 
And yeah. I just kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, sorry, was that addressed to me? That is addressed to all of you, but um, Christy, you can you can definitely okay. make the point. Yeah, I. I... <laughs> My, my, my cat stepped on the mute button and suddenly all went away for a minute there. So. <laughs> oh, no. It just went quiet. I'm like, oh my God, what happened? Uh, um, so this was about, and so I missed part of what you said. Um, so how about just run it past really quick again? Okay. Um, so basically I was just talking about how I was surprised by the amount of people that still were in love with them. And when I remember when I was watching it in the 80s, it was just kind of me and maybe two of my girlfriends were watching it, and now it seems to be like this huge resurgence, like I'm a gym fan and I'm proud. Um, and also, what I, I was struck by the second time, the second resurgence, for me at least, was how diverse the fan base was. And like you said, not just you know women, but also guys. But for me, I was really, really struck by the diversity within the races of um, ethnicities of, um, of your fan base. Did you, were you surprised or what was your reaction to that? Well, I think one of the things you have to remember about writing animation, especially writing animation in the 80s, is there, there was actually a great deal of, aware, of awareness of trying to achieve a certain amount of ethnic balance if you could. And, and I have to you know you have to give props to Hasbro as well because they made a multi-ethnic group mm-hmm. you know you've got white you've got black you've got Asian and then they added Hispanic and and so forth so you know I think that that's that was showed a great deal of, of awareness and I think that's one of the things that has contributed so well because everybody had a character that they could associate with everyone could associate with either Shana or Raja or whoever you know whoever they wanted to 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 relate to and so I, I think that diversity was baked into the project from the very beginning. So I'm not surprised that it, it has reached a wide range of people. And um, this this was actually true in a very funny way in that, in that reversely, they would not allow me to use anyone ethnic as a villain. Mm. <laughs> it doesn't work the other way around. That's what, how, how sensitive they were to these things because I thought it would have been fun a lot of fun to add a black character to the misfits, but they're like, Oh no, no, we, we couldn't do that. No, couldn't do that. So, you know, it's, so there was that, that real sensitivity to that yet, even back then. Yeah. I've noticed it too. It's, it's such a mixed bag of, of fans and it's, it's amazing. It's, it's always, you, you never know who's going to show up. Um, I, I travel a lot and meet the fans at conventions and I'm just always kind of, floored you you just never know who's going to be a fan and especially now because of the internet you know people are revisiting older things and getting turned on to the older cartoons that they didn't know about and so i have like mm-hmm. 20 year olds and 10 year olds and 50 year olds and and a lot of guys and a lot of straight guys too i mean it has a huge gay fan base obviously mm-hmm. but there are a lot of straight boys that make it a point to come up to me it's you know sometimes they're really shy about saying that they're like no, i really i really did watch gem but you know you don't have to say it too loudly kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> like you liked it you did <laughs> we discovered a lot of that through gem live tweet i was pretty amazed to see how many straight guys that were live tweeting with us we started this back in september of last year and what that was all about was on netflix 
we at seven o'clock each week we would live tweet an episode of gem and it started with just episode one where kim and candace and i were like let's just let's just do a gem live tweets figure it out and then um from there a lot of folks just saw the hashtag and was like what is this all about and second episode in we had the guys from three black geeks joining in with us uh we had sharif jackson robert young like all of these guys who I had no idea were gem fans were joining in. And then even guys that hadn't been fans in the past were just joining in because they just thought it was really fun. So I thought it was very interesting to see the diversity with respect to gender, um, just doing the live tweets each week. Um, so yeah, it, it definitely resonates with so many people of all different ethnicities and, and you know both genders, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. Uh, the impact that Jim and the Holograms has had on the audience. I think that's just a completely awesome thing. I love that. It is. And I was I was just in uh, where was I? I was in Canada last year, and I I got whisked off to a drag bar, which was so awesome. <laughs> and and um, before I knew it, I'm standing in front of this ten foot tall drag queen with eyelashes that are like two feet long, and just this incredibly beautiful drag queen who grew up in the Caribbean, I think, and had this really strong Caribbean accent and was crying because oh she couldn't believe that she was talking to the, the voice of Jem. And it was, Aww. it was just awesome. It was, it's just unexpected. And, and like you said, humbling, incredibly humbling. Wonderful. Makes people happy. <laughs> yes, it does. You know, it's so funny because I'm always, when, when I was watching it um, with the girls and with all of Twitter, it seems like I was just saying, oh my gosh, it's so pink and sparkly and glittery. Like, how do you not love this show? It's so happy all of the time. And so yes. and I think they got, and, I, and I'm obsessed with colors, and it was just always so very colorful. <laughs> so um, they're like happy colors. Um, so I really want to commend you for that. Um, another thing that I found pretty interesting, and I don't know if this was consistent, I don't remember being very consistent on the show, but there was always like this three minute, I call it an after school special, and I'm sure that's not what it was supposed to be called, but that's how I identified it. It was like at the end of every episode, there would be a lesson particularly, I guess, for the viewers, and I kind of, I was curious to know whose idea was that, and, um, like, what was, what was the motivation there? Well, th those are called PSAs, which mm -hmm. sounds, which stands for Public Service Announcement, mm -hmm. and you have to remember that, that back in the, I forget exactly when it was enacted, but back in the 80s, for sure, we were dealing with um, new laws that had been passed to regulate um, making sure that children couldn't confuse animated programming with commercials. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of concern about this at the time. And, and there was a law passed so that, um, for example, Hasbro could not actually put a commercial for a gem doll in a gem episode because they, it would cause too much confusion. That was part of the regulation. One of the other parts of the regulation is if they shows had to add bumpers, and bumpers are just, uh, uh, you know, a 10 second piece in between the animation show and the, and the commercial. So you get a bumper when you at the end of an act and then you get the commercial and then you get a bumper that says, and now back to Jim. And then you go back into the show. Those bumpers were things that were regulated. I don't know for sure, but I strongly suspect that PSAs could have been a part of that, or it just could have been a part of the animation business trying to make nice and, you know, <laughs> to do things that Congress would approve of or something. I don't know. I'm kind of I'm guessing a little bit here. 
But I do know that they decided to do these PSAs. G.I. Joe had them as well. You know, G.I. Joe had, you know, what is it? Uh, winning is only half the battle or knowing is only half the battle or whatever mm -hmm. it was. So they came to me and asked me to write these PSAs. So I ended up writing all of those PSAs. Where you know doing the right thing makes you a superstar. Superstar. So they they gave me the subject matter. They out they gave me you know listed out what they wanted each one to be about roughly, and then I just sat down and wrote these little pieces. Wow. Well, I'm gonna pass over back to D. Sam, did they have you actually do those PSAs? Yes, they did. They they did, and they were they were great. And they were just like these little vignettes of like, you know, Bobby, don't you understand that you you can't steal because then people won't trust you, and then you know, doing the right thing makes you a superstar. You know, those little nuggets of you know, come on, smack you on the bum and do the right thing. <laughs> I mean, the worst the worst example of that was the the original uh, He Man series where they actually ended each episode with a moral. <laughs> You know, at least, oh, right. we, at least we didn't have to do that crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, my next question is for, for Christy. I know there was some, um, quite some controversy that brewed on social media about you being missing in action from the Gem the Movie film um, when it was first announced. And from what I understand, that's all changed. Is there any updates on the film and how much have you contributed to the production? Uh, well, I, I'm not really in a position to give any updates on the movie. I, I knew nothing about the movie until the day before it was announced. I, I only found out about it because a, a PR person at Hasbro kindly called and, and told me, oh, we're about to, to announce this, probably because they were hoping that I wouldn't be too terribly upset. <laughs> um, it was very upsetting to me because I had tried for years to get them to do something with the property and had never had any luck getting anywhere. Wow. And I was quite taken by surprise uh, about this. I did end up doing a cameo in the movie. And I did it only because John Chu went to great lengths to reach out to me. And I uh, was flown to L.A. to have a meeting with him. And I really, really liked him. I thought he was just a, a wonderful guy and very passionate and very sincere about what he was doing. And so I felt very good about that and because of that I decided to do the cameo so if it may or may not be in the movie who knows but um, I did do one and that's the last I've heard of it well that's good that he reached out to you and that you got a chance to be in it um, Samantha you're also in it and Britta are you, are you also in the Gem the Movie live action yeah. film yes and can you hear me yes oh great yeah I did a cameo as did Samantha. We both did, and I mean, I, I couldn't. I didn't I respond to the uh, the band the last question, but I was going to say that my impression of John W. Chu was that he was a, he's a a real fan, you know. And I I think uh, I don't. I guess I understand why people get upset, but I, I do feel that he was a he he was a real fan and. And um, a, a good guy, yeah. <laughs> so that was my experience. Are you guys yeah. able to reveal um, what kind of cameos you're you are in in the film? No, I don't think they wanted me to say anything. <laughs> yeah, okay. okay. It, Maybe they I... did ask us not to say things. So <laughs> okay. Darn it. <laughs> So, um, and this is really to all of you, to um, anyone who wants to jump in on this question. 
What are your thoughts about the new comic book that's coming out from IDW Publishing that's scheduled to be, I believe it's going to be released in March. Um, are any of you planning to attend any comic book conventions when it's released? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I'm just, um, this is Samantha, I'm just, uh, I'm always excited to see gems sort of continue to bloom in whatever form it is. Um, so a comic book is, is fun. I think it'll be great and it'll turn a lot of people onto gem that'll revisit the original cartoon and it's it's going to be a really cool year. I think there's a lot going on with the movie coming out and the comic book and, um, you know, so I'm excited. I, I'm excited. I know it's always a mixed bag with the fans that are so diehard connected to the original and don't want anything to change. But, um, you know, me being in the business for a million years, I'm just happy to see the life force of Gem sort of keep beaming out there. So, <laughs> and I'm going to be doing yeah, I a lot the of the same way. Oh, yeah. sorry. Oh, no, no, you're good. Britta, go ahead. I, I feel the same way. It's like, it's like fan fiction, but they're professionals. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, I I mean you just have to consider the comics as a reboot. And and God knows everything gets rebooted. I mean, how many right. reboots? Mm. How many reboots have we seen now of Batman? It's been rebooted over and over and over again. Spider-Man's been rebooted over and over again. I mean, you know, all of these characters get rebooted, so I suppose it's just only fitting that Jem is getting two different reboots in, in this coming year because the movie is a reboot and the comic is a reboot. Both of the, the creators, both Kelly Thompson and Ross Campbell, who's the artist, and Kelly Thompson is the writer, they both have reached out to me in email and we've exchanged email and I wish them all the best. I hope they have you know tremendous success. I mean, it's frustrating to me because I'm a comic book writer. I've been writing comic books for a long time and you know I would love to have done this and, and who knows, maybe something will still happen. But you know, I don't want to be a sour note. I want them to put out a really cool book and have a lot of success, and I want people to love it, and I think that'll be terrific. In terms of uh, conventions, I'm not sure yet. I, I'll just have to um, announce later in the year. We'll see whether I'm going to be at any of the, the conventions, but I it does look like I'm going to be at the next GemCon in Philadelphia. Awesome. I, I'm going to be at a Shop Pop Con in Florida, in Fort Lauderdale, um, Valentine's Day weekend. And then I'm doing another one. I, my schedule's up on my website, but yeah, it's going to be a busy year. <laughs> awesome. Britta, what about you? I'm up for it if, if, if my schedule allows, for sure. And I would like to get to the next Gem Con in Philadelphia. Because um, I haven't been to one since I think 2009. <laughs> that was uh, Connecticut, Samantha. I think. It, it was. Um, yeah, it was on the east coast near the water. I don't remember where was it. I think it was uh, Hartford. <laughs> Maybe it was 2010 or 11. It was 2010. Yeah, okay. it was 2010. But yeah, I do. I do believe Britta. Isn't this the first time we've ever actually spoken to each other? Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We seriously? Wow. We have never met. I don't think we have ever spoken. Sam and I have gotten to know each other because we we've, we've show up at, at GemCons quite a bit. But I think for one reason or another, you would be at one Brit and I wouldn't, vice versa. And so after all of these years, um, we, you know, we have yet to meet, actually, in person. We, well, in Philadelphia, then. Yes, that would be yes. great. That would be a party. <laughs> it's about bloody time. 
I, I am going to make it a point to go there. I didn't know it was going to be in Philadelphia. I thought it was going to be again in Toronto. Um, oh, so yeah. That well, is- different, different place each year. It depends. Everybody yeah. does different people do bids and, and to get the rights to do it. So That's awesome. Well, I'm going to kick it over to Kim to ask her next question. All right. This question is for Christy. Um, over the course of your career, how has the landscape for women riders changed or evolved from your perspective? Are you talking about women writers in any particular field? But I mean, there were quite a few women writers, even on GI Joe and 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 on Jim and so forth. I mean, the writers have always been there. I, I would say probably it's gotten better, but um, I don't know that I can see any radical change, other than perhaps more assertive, assertiveness for women, perhaps now. But you know, they, they were always there. It's just a matter of maybe not being recognized. All right. All right. All right. And um, Samantha and Brenda, this question is for you. Um, we talked about how fans feel so connected to the show and to the characters. Do you have any, like, super outrageous stories of your encounters with Jim, Jim fans? Um, oh, my gosh. I I think one of the, the most wonderful ones that happened to me was I was – with my parents and it was their anniversary and I was in a, like a cigar bar thing and somebody tipped some, there was a wedding party in there and so, I don't, the people we, we, we were with said something to someone that I was Jem and this bride comes running in from the other room with her wedding dress on going, oh my God, you have to sign my wedding dress. <laughs> no, I can't sign your dress. You're drunk. Wow. Like, no, don't let me do that. And she's like, no, 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 you don't understand. Childhood dream come true. And so anyway, I did. I ended up autographing the inside of her beautiful wedding gown and she was happy as anything and then flitted off in her little beautiful white dress. And I was like, did that just happen? That was so crazy. That's yeah. Well, I'm amazed she didn't yeah. ask you to come and sing the gym theme song or something. <laughs> she, yeah, I think she'd already been married. It was like part of the reception. And oh. <laughs> yeah, I would have asked you. <laughs> I would totally ask. I'm like, can you can you actually take the mic and start singing? Thanks. Oh. Wow. You're talking to Britta? I cannot top that one. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait, Britta. Um, something crazy will happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would say. Um, Definitely, I think the the most outrageous uh, experience I've had have been in a gay bar, for sure. Um, the first, I think maybe about 10 years, maybe 15 years ago, um, where I just ended up singing a bunch of gem songs and getting drunk in a gay bar. And then after the last <laughs> gem con, <laughs> I, uh, after the last gem con, we did the karaoke uh night and then I went out with a group to a gay bar and I'd forgotten my ID and the, these group of guys I was with, these gem fans demanded that the manager come out because they had gem <laughs> and they were sure that they were convinced that he would be a gem fan and he was and they let me in and then I just danced with everyone and took photos with all the bartenders it was it was great <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like that is night. so awesome. I would love to do gym songs at karaoke. That needs to happen yeah. in my lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pass it back to Candace. Oh, okay. Um, oh, gosh. My question just slipped right out of my head. Uh, 
series i i certainly haven't heard anything you, you have to remember that usually a toy company is only going to do an animation series generally speaking if they have a toy line to back it up mm-hmm. you know so i i really i think hasbro was probably in an evaluation period waiting and watching to see how things like the movie do and so forth i mean who knows what's really going on inside hasbro of course but right. um usually it's not not financially feasible without some kind of a toy line, generally speaking, to support an animation series. Okay. And we're kind of the work for hire, so we're usually <laughs> the last people that know anything about yeah, no kidding. stuff that they're doing. We're not in the mix. And it's funny, I keep getting, you know, I find out most of the things from fans that are really in the know, you know, people that maybe <laughs> know somebody that works at Hasbro and they'll share something, you know, it's like I am the last one to know usually. So Yeah, same here. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. Hasbro and Jim and the Holograms got started, like you had mentioned before, Christy, because of the toys. And and essentially the show was sort of a marketing tool to get folks to buy the toys. And that's how Jim and the Holograms got launched and that's how G.I. Joe got launched. Um, and Transformers. And Transformers. And, right. and Conan the Adventurer and any of those shows, you know, that we did. And the Turtles. It was all Ninja Turtles. I mean, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> what brought on, and I don't know if this is something that you guys may know, but do you know what brought on this sudden resurgence of Gem? Because it seems that this is very sudden where we're seeing not only the movie, we're seeing a comic book. And then even recently there's been Honda commercials featuring Jim um, as a talking doll. So <laughs> any idea where this resurgence has come from with Hasbro and um, sort of resurrecting Jim and the holograms for us? Well, yeah. It's, it's a, it's a generational cycle. Yeah. You have, the, you have the generation of people that were raised on the show who loved the show, who have reached an age where they're waxing nostalgic about it. I mean, it's just part of a natural generational cycle and, and people who have cared about the property have spent years and years trying to bring it back and trying to do something with it. Uh, John Chu, for example, he spent a long time trying to get Hasbro to do a gem movie. It didn't just happen. So, you know, there are people out there who have cared about it for at least a decade or more that have tried to bring it back and tried to do things with it. But I, I think the resurgence in the pop culture is is just tied to the generational shift. Because now those those kids that watch the show have money in their pockets and are buying Hondas and are, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> buying the and, new And have kids dolls. of their own. Yep, exactly. So it was time. 
was time for it to come back. Nice. Uh, we got a question on Twitter. This is from Baking Your Noodle on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I love her handle. Um, what do the creators think Jem has to teach young women and girls today? Probably a question for Christy. I think it probably has the same thing that it always did, that caring about other people is important. Treating other people right is important. Relationships are what count. Um, you know, all, all of the basic underlying, I think, messages of GEM still resonate. This still resonates in spite of, of the fact that the technology in the shows may be old, the fashions may be old, whatever, but the underlying stories are still about the relationships between the people and how important those human relationships are. And I, I think that's really at the heart of it. Yeah. I totally agree. And, you know, kindness is completely underrated and, and, but it's so powerful. It's like the whole Pollyanna archetype is incredibly transformational. You know, Jim could walk into any situation and kind of transform it. And the holograms would always win in the end because they were kind and were doing the right thing. So. Uh, even if, even if they did that, see, that was really important to me in that, in that two part awards show, mm -hmm. they didn't win the award at the end, but they won. Mm -hmm. Because they did, they took care of the girls because they were a family, because they cared about one another. And, and that really came through at the end of that. And I thought that was an incredibly important message to get across. It's not just about winning. It's like the PSA. It's about doing the right thing. Yeah. It's about caring, about caring about other people. Right. Yeah. And plus, you know, Wally Burr, the director, I remember I really remember him saying, you know, we, we don't want it cartoony. We want it to sound real. So I, I imagine that we became friends to people because we were very real. The reads were like young women, you know, so we were your friends. And um, I think that was important. I've got a I question. I messy the characters were, too. <laughs> you know, they were confused what? and messy like real people. Mm, Wait, I'm yes. <laughs> she liked how real the characters were, that they were confused and messy like real people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they really were. And and that brings me to my next question with the drama that ensued on a lot of these episodes. And mainly the triangle, kind of a weird love triangle going on with Jem, Jerrica, and Rio. Um, what was that all about? Because it's like Jem kind of knew that she was being cheated on <laughs> with Rio, with Jerrica, but she sort of was okay with disguising herself as Jem. So Christy, can you kind of elaborate on what that love triangle was about? Was that something that you thought of or is that something that Hasbro came up with? Yeah, no, that, that was something I came up with because it just seemed a natural outgrowth to me because, you know, Jerrica has the boyfriend and then here comes this beautiful, mysterious, glamorous Jem and, and, but it's still essentially the same person just another aspect of the same person. And so he starts falling for her. It just was a lot of fun to play with. It was just fun, <laughs> fun to play with that kind of, of a triangle. And I, you know, it, it just, I just think it worked. It really, I know there are a lot of people that have problems with it. And other, I, it's kind of amusing to me how many people maybe hate Rio and <laughs> think he was a jerk. I just saw yeah. Rio as this poor, confused schlub, you know, <laughs> caught in this situation. And, and, you know, Jerrica is this confused woman who 
wants to tell him the truth, but is, is too scared of losing him to tell him the truth. And the longer it goes on, the harder it is to try and tell him the truth. And it just becomes one of these big emotional messes. <laughs> I mean, that's fun. How can you not have fun with that? <laughs> Created so much tension. It was great. <laughs> It was a lot of Rio shade when we did the Gem Live tweet. A lot of folks were hating. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, Candace, I think you had some more questions. I didn't mean to cut you off if I did. No, it's okay. Um, I've kind of been pointing this by ear, but I just had one um, outstanding question, and that was what, and this is to all of you, um, what do you most cherish about working on the show? For me, it was it was just such an amazing creative experience. Um, Hasru actually gave us quite a lot of creative freedom, and it was just an amazing mix of talent. If you just think about the artists, the voice talent we had, the musical talent, you know, the composers and the lyricists and the, I mean, just everything. It was just this wonderful, perfect storm of talent. And and they were just wonderful people to work with at Sumbo. They they treated me so well. They were they were so uh, generous and, and fantastic towards the way they treated me. And and I was able to do so much writing, which I really enjoyed on the show, and and have such an influence on what it was and and guiding it. And it was just a wonderful creative experience. What was that like for you, uh, Samantha and Britta? Well, for me, I would say in the beginning, it was uh, an amazing experience being in the studio and uh, confidence, giving me confidence as a singer, you know, so that, that was huge. And, uh, but now I would say, you know, overshadowing, overshadowing that is the, uh, the fan response. <laughs> that's, that's what I take away from it most now. Yeah. Yeah, I would say similar for me, just cutting my teeth in the voiceover world, um, just being in a room, because we recorded Ensemble, which was so fantastic, because you were literally in a room with all the other voice actors, reading together and working together, and, you know, I just was like a little sponge, soaking it all up and learning as much as I could from these incredible people that have been in the business a long time, and uh, working with Wally Burr, the director, it was just an incredible, I, I felt very, very lucky and privileged to be there. And then of course, it also um, availed me my independence as a young woman. I got to buy my car, I moved out of my parents' house, you know, it was like <laughs> I was working and I suddenly had all this freedom and independence and it, it was just an incredible feeling. And then like Britta said, the the, having it kind of come back, this wave of gratitude from these beautiful fans. You know, I said recently to somebody, I feel like I see the eight-year-old child behind their eyes and they're 40 and 30 and there's still like this little kid inside that just loved the show so much. It's just, it's surreal and wonderful. Thank you. Awesome. And Kim, do you have any other questions? Can, can I weigh in on one thing here? Yeah. I, I, I'm looking at the Twitter page, and I, I noticed there were a couple of comments about about the gem animation series, and, all, and a lot of, at the time, there were a lot of accusations about these are nothing more than 30-minute toy commercials. I just want to make it very clear that nobody who worked on these shows gave a damn about 
whether they, you know, they were going to sell toys or not. You know, we were not thinking about that when we were writing these shows or animating the shows or, or bringing these shows to life. That was nowhere in our consciousness did we worry about that. You know, it was a purely creative endeavor about writing, making the best show we could do, you know, writing the best scripts, doing the best voices, you know, whatever. You know, that, that was definitely not our motivation or our concern. Awesome. Yes. I mean, I felt that just watching the show and a lot of us, and there were some folks on Twitter that didn't even know about um, the fact that it was because of toys that the show started. All of us just really fell in love with the stories and the characters and especially the songs. I mean, a lot of these songs still resonate with us today. I know a few of us say that they have uh, songs from Jim and the Holograms on their ringtones. Uh, do, do any of you guys have a favorite song from Jim and the Holograms? Uh, let's see. I was really loved that. I've got my eye on you. That's a favorite one of mine. Yeah. I love the theme song, the original theme song. And I also love it because it's, it, it's so powerful and it's so incredible to picture. And then also the misfits are in it as well. So it's both. And then <laughs> and the other ones that Britta mentioned too, only the beginning, I think is one of my favorites and uh, mm. twilight in Paris. I love, mm. and there were just so many, inc- the, the music, you know, it just, it wouldn't have been this. It was like Christy said, the perfect storm. It just was. And so genuine. I think everybody, genuinely was loving what they were doing and it just translated just just worked so beautifully i said mine already but i wanted to uh chime in with the i've got my eye on you and i I love that episode too where she's singing to rio and totally messing with him or whatever she doesn't know what she's doing i love that angle i love that one um kim did you have a question or I didn't know if I had interrupted you either. No, I didn't have any more questions. Just thank you all for being here. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Can each of you, um, we'll start with Christy and then Samantha and Britta. Can you tell us where our listeners can find out more about your current projects, any tour dates that you guys are on, and how to connect with you on social media? Uh, I do have a Twitter account that's just Christy Marks. Um, I don't do a lot of tweeting but every once in a while i'll put things there um i have a facebook page that is it's christy marks the second it's got like two roman numerals after it um it's just it, it's hard to explain but it was had to do with what how i had to set it up on facebook mm-hmm. and i also have another page called the christy marks clubhouse and i use both of those pages to announce things and amounts uh, you know announce stuff that i'm doing and and put links to interviews and what so on uh, most of my time is taken up working at Zynga, which is the mobile game company, social game company, where I do a lot of game design and, and narrative design, which is, is meshing story with gameplay. So that takes up most of my time, and then I do some writing for DC Comics on the side. I did a series called Amethyst, and then I finished up a run on a series called Birds of Prey, and I've been doing a few mm. other things few other things for them. And my current personal pa- uh, passion project is I've decided this is the year I'm going to have to to write a gem memoir. Oh, a memoir That's about creating cool. gem. So I'm working on that. Nice, sweet. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. 
Well, I'm pretty easy to find. Um, my website is samanthanewyork.com, and then I've got the little links to my Facebook pages, my Instagram, and my SoundCloud, and my all of that stuff that you have to have a million different passwords and usernames as we were talking about earlier. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just moved to Nashville, back to Nashville actually. I was in Dallas, Texas and I've been touring with this amazing Pink Floyd tribute band for the last two years. Uh, we're playing the House of Blues um, venues and just touring regionally and it's been incredible. And uh, But obviously I had to give that up when I moved to Nashville a month ago. And I'm working on my new album, which will come out later this year. And uh, I just did a voiceover short animated film. Uh, Mike Salva produced, wrote it, directed it, and uh, Bobcat Goldthwait is in it. And so oh, there have wow. been some there's some fun things on the horizon. It's called HG Chicken, so look out for that. And uh, yeah, just focusing on music. Um, my also my love voiceovers and music kind of on par. So. So that's me and where you can find me. <laughs> and um, I'm on Twitter, just Britta Phillips on Twitter. Um, I have a Facebook page that's Britta Phillips NYC, even though I've moved to Los Angeles. <laughs> um, and I don't have a BrittaPhillips.com yet, but I will because I'm working on a solo album. But if you if you type in BrittaPhillips.com, it takes you to my Facebook anyway. Um and, uh, yeah, mainly I'm just focusing on finishing this solo album, but I've been touring a lot with uh, my husband, and we, we do this uh, Warhol sort of multimedia show. Which the I just saw it last night. <laughs> it was so great. <laughs> and, Thank you um, again for the tickets, Britta. That was really an incredible show. If, if anybody oh, gets cool. to go out and see it, it was just awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then uh, Dean and I, my husband Dean and I, uh, have a website, deanandbrita.com, and we did a film score, too, so we're off to Sundance to uh, see the screening of that, called Mistress America. Oh, yep. <laughs> awesome. Well, we will check that out. Thank you so much to Christy Marks, Samantha Newark, and Britta Phillips for coming on our podcast really great show got a lot of great feedback and some some exclusives there so thank you for sharing that with us show's over synergy <laughs> <laughs> show's over synergy show's over thanks. thank you guys so much thank you so much thank and you. next week guys um on our podcast we are going to have actor Timac. that's right Timac from the last dragon known as Bruce Leroy. He's going to come on the show. He's going to talk to us about his um, new venture that he's involved in. He's doing The Last Dragon, the 30th anniversary celebration tour. So he will be on next week, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. 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 Bye-bye.